Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you made it. Uh, this is our, our big Sunday, uh, Whiplash Sunday, we like to call it. Uh, it's the Sunday of the Dead, in which we remember those people we've loved, who we've lost in the last year, and uh, those people who uh, mean so much to us that we've lost over the years. And then after that, it's going to be Hatchback Halloween. So. Hatchback Halloween right outside the church. I think we got like a fire going on. Yeah, there's going to be fire. There's hot dogs of all kinds of flavors. Yeah. Yeah. All all kinds of, you know, meat, non meat. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. 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 Not Chicago and Minneapolis, but meat, non meat. Meat, non meat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, you know, of course, you can uh, trick or treat from hatchback to hatchback and collect uh, all of the candy and. You want, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As much as you want. Yeah. Tell them Russell said so. Tell your parents Russell said so. That's right. It's true. It's true. (laughs) But you have to eat it all before you leave, before you get in the car. That's just, that's how it goes. Um, All right, let me just tell you a a little bit how what we're going to do as part of our liturgy of remembrance today. Um, So we're all coming together today, this Sunday, to remember those that we've known and loved who have died and to pray for our own healing, and if there is a name that you would like to remember to have us read in the liturgy, in the back at the kiosk, there's some cards and a basket. You could write their name down during the opening hymn. Just go back there, write down as many names as you have the people you'd like to remember, and put it in the basket, and we'll read them uh, during the liturgy of remembrance. Also, later, you will have an opportunity to come forward and take a candle right down here and light it off the Christ candle and place it either here or here, stick it in the sand as a way to uh, say a prayer and remember those loved ones. Why don't you uh, do it? Okay, this is the house of... No? Mercy, we can do it now, it's clear. Okay. With this, the house of mercy, and welcome to it.
join me now with the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, we enter your presence today with strength and weakness in equal measure. Show us the beauty there is in slowing down for this brief amount of time tonight. Gifts and miracles are often not found in the flashy spark of intensity, but rather in the low, slow process infused with grace. Draw us deeper into your mystery as we sit in waiting together. Fill us with hope so that we cannot forget how much you loved each of us and how much love we hold for each other. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all. Let's offer each other a sign of peace. So whenever um, this Sunday of the dead or a um, its neighboring less hatchback Halloweeny uh, day on the church calendar that we call All Saints Days comes around um, and we are invited or encouraged to think about those we've lost um, who I kind of think of it as like a um, I remember when my grandpa had passed away and he wasn't young but it wasn't expected and um, and I had been at like a little league basketball game or something and, and went straight from there to my grandpa's visitation and, and I remember I got there and and I was encouraged to go in and see uh, the open casket in the room where that was and I remember I think my older siblings kind of like flanked me and they'd been there and they were used to sort of taking care of their decade younger brother and um, and that wasn't fun to see, but it was important to do. And, uh, and it was a big part of grieving. And I remember when my grandma died, it was so painful. I was like, I'm not going in that room. And I don't think that all these many years later that that was good for me. Um, they died close to each other, but I think that, that uh, that grieving is something that we just don't want to do. But when we do it and we, we stop pretending those people we lost aren't on our minds, it actually ends up being good for us. And when this day comes around, there's like, I always think about people that um, in my life that I have lost years ago that I realize repeatedly I haven't really grieved losing them. And, um, and these are people that they hadn't lived good, full, long lives and eased out of this um, to go gather at the river. Um, but they passed away suddenly and, and out of the blue and uh, those mean the same thing, and uh, I think I've avoided going to look at their caskets, even though I may have seen them in different ways throughout. And so, when 
asked to sing guest artist songs that are about this day. The first one that comes to mind is actually a song that one of my friends wrote um, back 11 years ago when it seems like out of the blue mass shootings were somewhat more rare. A cafe that I basically lived at in Seattle um, was the site of a mass shooting. And one of my favorite people and most inspiring people and songwriters was killed in that amongst other people. But I'd learned this song that he'd written um, and he claimed that this song that he wrote, he didn't write, but a friend of his who was tragically killed, he was, my friend Drew, uh, was, who wrote the song, at least physically in the world, he swears that his friend uh, uh, had, who had been the victim of like a, a armed robbery and was shot and killed in, a, in his, like a home invasion. He's like, my friend possessed me, his spirit did, and wrote this song, or he used me to write it. And it gets even better. Drew was a professional circus performer. And <laughs> this is like disturbing, but Drew loved this part of the story. The guy had like an antique sword on his wall when he was attacked. And he grabbed it to defend himself. And apparently he got one good lick in on this guy that got him as Drew would tell the story. And Drew had that sword modified into a sword that he would do sword swallowing tricks with. Larger than life character, this Drew. And he wrote this song. I don't know if it was Drew or his friend uh, that I think left this song as a gift to help with the grief.
be nice to know you and I see you all in hell. And when I get there, rest assured, I'm gonna ring that bell. Let the devil know I have arrived. I was singing that and I was thinking, uh, this is just Shall We Gather at the River written by a circus performer who met his wife in a methadone clinic. You know? God bless him. He's a saint, Drew. Um, I'm going to sing one more song for you. Here, children, I bring you the fruit of my work. We've plenty for all, though. I know hunger lurks And the reaper sleeps outside our door But we won't fear death anymore Dear children, your welfare Keeps me up at night I miss your Sweet mother, her radiant light Oh, without her, my spirit's been poor But we won't fear death anymore I try so hard, children To guard from your sight the jailers who keep us here locked up so tight I know not what they torture us for But we won't fear death anymore Eat up children, your bodies are growing each day, though I know strength at times Seems like stars far away But we're safe here neath our cellar door Where we won't fear death anymore No, we won't fear death mercy, grant us mercy. As we speak into this gathered community the names of those we have loved and who have died, we have gathered here tonight to remember and to give thanks for their lives. Salvador. Terry. Charlie Charlesworth. Tom. Daryl. Elaine. Carol and Hank Schubert. Christopher Messier. Grace Pittman. Peter. Melissa. Matthew Perry. Ralph DeMeglio. Mike Stash. Donald Jensen. 
Shelley Boone. Tarinina. Mike Cameron. Roger Irwin. Kelly Erickson. Evelyn Solon. Danny D'Amelio. Hold these people in your arms. Thank you for giving them to us to know and to love. In your boundless compassion, console those who grieve and bind us to those beyond our community who grieve the many who died in violence and conflict. And grant us that we may see in death an ever-expanding life fully in your presence. Amen. Please join me now in the prayers of community. I will end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and you can respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, help us to recognize and be grateful for what we have and who we are. Help us to lead with gratitude rather than fear. In a world that constantly pushes us towards bigger, better, faster, more, help us to reach for the greatest possible while staying grounded in the reality of accepting what is. So much we strive for something different because we cannot tolerate what is right now. Help us to lean in and appreciate before moving out into wanting more. Transform our reflexive grasping into reflective gratitude. God in your mercy. God of compassion, many loved ones, friends and family alike have gone before us. We remember our loved ones who have died and ask for a soothing balm for the grief present in our lives. We ask for sweetness and grace as we hold our own and our loved ones suffering, as well as the suffering of those who are unacknowledged or unloved. Walk with us in our clearest desires for healing for those we know and love in our families and communities. As we pray for those we love, Help us also remember those who have no one to pray for them. God, in your mercy. God of grace, our world is full of pain and suffering, and so many of us have wells of darkness and grief in our lives. So much is lost in the normal living of human life. Help us to release the grip of fear. Take all the pain and rage and darkness and relieve us of the burdens of shame and sorrow. Open our hearts and minds and spirits to the burden of lightness that you offer. Pour your healing light and mercy on those who are sick, struggling, or in need because of sickness, pain, grief, addiction, or violence in the world, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our, and in our church the world over. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we need you right now as much as any other people has ever needed you. Our leaders need guidance and wisdom, peace and grace. Help us all to reach across divides and listen well 
to whatever truth and humanity is being spoken, even if we do not like the speaker. Move us all away from the mentality of winning and losing and open our hearts and minds to caring, compassion, and connection. Take us to the center of your heart of love and grace, particularly when we are feeling mean or agitated. Help us to see the ways that we try to protect ourselves by controlling others with our attitudes, energy, or anger. Give us grace and peace and kindness when we feel most pressed to the wall. Help us to ask more simply and to listen more deeply. Guide us as we trust more fully and love more freely. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, be with us now in this time of silence as we remember those who have died and those who are suffering. Illuminate our lives with your mercy. Disrupt our lives and beliefs with grace. Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. my
my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me in all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Gospel. Thanks be to God. You know, there's some scriptures that will forever be in the King James translation in the minds of the world. You know, if you have your John 3.16 with its whosoever believeth, and then there's Psalm 23. Any other translation seems weak. This is, the Lord is my shepherd, so I don't need anything else, is not the same. As the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My mind even has an English accent when I think of the words. And the pastoral imagery seems medieval. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I always have pictured an, like an English banquet in a, a castle type of thing, you know, like with goblets, you know, goblets. I'm holding a goblet and I'm toasting the Lord. But the strange thing is, when I picture me at this banquet, with the, at the table, with the goblet, I'm always alone. This psalm is so weirdly narcissistic. The Lord is my shepherd. Why not the Lord is our shepherd? I have this crazy image of like a Sunday school film strip, you know, that plays every time I read this psalm. The Lord, picture Jesus, the good shepherd. I know, what's Jesus doing in a psalm? Um, the Lord is walking beside a little blonde-haired kid with short pants and a cap. Then the Lord, Jesus, gestures to the green grass, and the kid lays down on it for a nap. And then the kid gets up, and the shepherd takes him down to the still waters, and he has his rod and his staff to protect the kid. But when I stop the film strip and think about it, I'm perplexed. Why do I want to sleep in the grass? And what's so great about being beside still water? And what is the difference between a rod and a staff? You know, does the Lord need both, really? And is like one in each hand? You know, and what does he do when he prepareth this the banquet for me? Does he like awkwardly hold both of them in one hand while he's setting out the food with the other one? You know, and, and he, or does he lean him against the banquet table, maybe? The image of this personal Lord following an individual around, attending to their needs, you know, give a place to sleep, food, water, protection. Seems like more like, like kind of a dog than a god. More like a servant than a shepherd. This idea of a personal assistant Lord is clearly the result of recontextualizing this interpretation. The result of hundreds of years of cultural conditioning 
making it nearly impossible to recover anything close to what the original audience heard. What is interesting is how our culture has read this text, the way it reads it today, is really reflects to us our own self-obsession. I mean, that we would paint God as our valet? What does it say about our culture that we would find the notion of a personal attendant, Lord, even appealing? The Lord is my personal shopper, and I will have many fashionable choices. He maketh me lie down on high thread count Egyptian cotton. He brings me still water, not sparkling. He restores my credit score. He turns traffic lights green to prove that he's with me. Even though my commute is horrible, I don't fear texting drivers. No, for you are with me. You manage your management of the traffic lights and parking spaces, they comfort me. You make sure my banquet is free range, organic, and locally sourced, and my oil stocks rise, my wine cellars overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in a gated community my whole life long. I'm sure that if I were a shepherd or lived in a sheep-raising culture, I would get it more. It would seem different to me. Or if he was a shepherd, like, or if I was like a sheep, if I were a sheep, I'm sure it would have a very different meaning to me. But, you know, but then I might be thinking, hey, where are the other sheep? Where's the flock? Aren't sheep known for the flock? Or that or that banquet looks good, but how am I supposed to get up in that chair and eat it? I can't even reach the table. Or, hey, shepherd, do you see opposable thumbs here? This is all cloven I'm working with. How am I supposed to hold that goblet? And why does he have both that rod and that staff? Of course, if I were a sheep, there would be some question about my ability to reflect on my own reality but I digress. I guess if I dial back the critique a little bit, I can read it as a psalm of comfort. It is nice to believe that the Lord, that God cares for me, takes care of me, keeps me safe, and more than that, wants good things for me. Good food and drink and rubbing oil on my head, all like sensual comfort. That's what this psalm's culturally constructed meaning really is. It's comfort. I do a lot of funerals for people who don't have pastors, but have expressed a desire to have a pastor perform a funeral for their loved one. And most have only a distant relationship with the church or with Christianity. Some have no connection with any religion at all, but want something kind of spiritual at the funeral. And I would say that I read this psalm uh, more than half of them. Some of the time people specifically ask for it. Other times when I ask if they would like any scripture read, Psalm 23 is the only one they can think of. Sometimes when they just want me to make all the decisions, I choose it myself. Even times when the person who has died has no friends or family and it's just me and the funeral director, I still read Psalm 23, which is maybe a little surprising given my critique of it as a narcissistic, medieval, and maybe even silly psalm, and that its cultural recontextualization of the interpretation is so pervasive as to make any recovery of its original intent impossible. But still, I read it. I read it, but when it's read in a funeral service, when heard in a funeral service, 
No one is bringing to mind the ridiculous images that I have conjured up. No one is picturing the Lord protecting them. No, read in a funeral service, everyone is seeing that the person that they love, the one who has died, the one that is gone, that they can no longer take care of or protect their father or their mother or son or daughter, their child that they can no longer prepare food for, that they can no longer feed or comfort. Even as when it's only me and the funeral director, when the person who died had no one, it's comforting. It's more than comforting. It is loving and merciful to believe that they are no longer alone in pain, struggling, that the Lord is with them, not only protecting them, but giving them good things, a place to sleep, good food, drink, rubbing their head. It's a comfort to know that the Lord is their shepherd, and we can have peace knowing that they shall not want. The summer has faded. These days mark the beginning of winter. The frost has taken everything green. Leaves fall from the trees. The weather is unsettled. And the evenings are suddenly dark. So our thoughts turn to life retreating to those who are no longer with us. Dear companions who once graced our lives, loved ones who we miss, person, persons whose lives made an impact on our own, all of those who were here contributing, caring, and are now gone. We miss what was or what could have been. Grief is an unwieldy thing. We are fine one minute, years even, and then deep sadness comes, seemingly out of nowhere. Our feelings and recollections attest to the enduring importance of these friends, this love, our memories. May these brave and lovely spirits live again in our thoughts and prove that death and distance are powerless to sever the bonds of love. We invite you now to come forward and light a candle if you would like to. And as we light these flames, we honor and remember those who have died. Their light lives on in our hearts. Their courage lives on in our communities and commitments. And their love continues to bless the world through us. When the saints go marching in, when the saints go marching in, dear Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in when the sun refuses to shine when the sun refuses to shine dear Lord I want to be in that number when the sun refuses to shine when the saints go marching in when the saints go marching in dear lord i want to be 
in that number when the saints go marching in when the moon turns into blood when the moon turns into blood dear lord i want to be in that number when the moon turns into blood when the saints go when the saints go marching in dear lord i want to be in that number when the saints go marching in when we crown him king of kings when we crown him king of kings dear lord i want to be in that number when they crown him king of kings when the saints go marching in when the saints go marching in dear lord i want to be in that number when the saints go marching in when they gather around the throne when they gather around the throne dear lord i want to be in that number when they gather around the throne when the saints go marching in when the saints go marching in dear lord i want to be in that number when the saints go marching in while the happy ages roll while the happy ages roll dear lord i want to be in that number while the saints go marching in when the saints go marching in dear lord i want to be in that number when the saints go